0: Hi, this is Shug McMurray from the Glasgow Distillery on the Cast Chasers podcast.
1: Hey, Cast Chasers. Welcome to our third and final grain-to-glass chapter on wood, where we'll be running a special edition director's commentary-style review of an interview I had with Shug McMurray from the 2020 Scottish Distillery of the Year, the Glasgow Distillery. In this episode, we learned a little bit about how someone can become a Cooper, surprise, we're not qualified, and a lot about the craftsmanship of being a Cooper. And stick around to the end to hear our favorite surprise of the episode, a Cooper's favorite drink. So pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cast Chasers Podcast. Let's just go into it. So, so Shug, uh, one of the things that I was curious about is just if you were to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you got into being a Cooper, I'm just so interested to hear how you find yourself into that, into that walk of life.
0: Yeah, uh, well, my name, right name is Hugh McMurray, but Shug is a Glasgow terminology for Hugh. So uh, everybody knows me as Shug the uh, I got into Cooper because my older brother, who's who's deceased now, he, he was a Cooper. And my uncle was a production de- director of the place where I served my apprenticeship. So I wanted to be a Cooper because he was a Cooper. And uh, that's how I got into it.
1: So, so it's definitely something that has uh, run through the family then, it sounds like.
0: If you speak to any Cooper, it's usually family-orientated or somebody knows something. It wasn't a job you'd went to a job center or somewhere and seen an apprentice Cooper wanted. You know, it's always word of mouth, somebody's relative or something like that.
1: Okay, so right off the bat, Hugh, a.k.a. Shug McMurray in the, the Glasgow terms, I was really hoping that he was going to say something like, oh, yeah, like if you want to be a Cooper, here's the website you go to or here's the application. Like anybody can do it. Right. But like, instead, I went on
2: glassdoor.com. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I think my salary requirements fit. Awesome.
3: <laughs> Interview process and everything. He's in a suit. <laughs> right. No, somebody died. Now he does it. And right. That's pretty much the gist of things.
1: And his family's just been in it forever. His brother, his uncle is the production director.
3: Literally like, in the bloodline. Got to marry amazing. into it. So we can't go... Be a Cooper because I don't know a Cooper, or nor am I related to one. Is what I just heard.
2: Yeah, I like. I assume we could like if we were already really good at it, and we just went over there and we're like, oh, I'm a Cooper. But yeah, it seems like for the most part, over there, you you know what you know a Cooper, your family with a Cooper, and it's in your blood, and that's it. So that's cool. So we it, have it's to cool be friend the,
1: Coopers. That's right.
2: Well, luckily, yeah. I don't want to be a Cooper though. It well, <laughs> sounds like really hard work. I just sit here and talk.
3: You haven't, well, when you hear, as you hear him go on and explain how amazing it is, you'll change your mind, I'm sure. Obviously. Let's hear him out.
1: How many, how many generations back has your family been involved in Cooper? <laughs> so it's your, it's your older brother. And then did you say your uncle?
0: Well, my uncle wasn't a Cooper. He was just, he was a production director from the, the company where I went to uh, serve my apprenticeship, who I was named after. There's <laughs> no coincidence. Yeah, I got in there and I went in as a 16 year old boy.
1: So, so that young, you were you were kind of getting a taste of, you know, what it was like and what your older brother and what, you know, the, the production director were doing.
0: Uh, so, well, I knew, knew what was going on and I quite liked the idea of becoming one. You know, I like to work with my hands and wood and stuff. So, yeah, that's how I got into it.
1: I just want to say my first job at 16 was uh, sweeping up in Regal Cinemas.
3: I know you say so. (laughs) You like do your training and learn what's going on. He's like, no, no. I knew what was happening because I was there at birth. Is essentially basically. Wow. Yeah. No. So sixteen. He's he's beginning the process. Yeah. His
1: career's his launching.
3: And I, I think, and we were there for the interview, obviously, but. He doesn't get to start off as a cooper, as a full fledged cooper. He's holding like a barrel lid for a little mm-hmm, while. That's mm-hmm. kind of you know you, you can look at him. That's your new. That's your job. You soap him <laughs> down, and then you work your way up.
1: Can we can we put that in context for people too? Because when he was talking about just handling heads, I know we couldn't pause for it when I was talking to him, but that seems so minimal compared to the rest of the work of assembling the barrel. So well, he, so, so yeah, Marcus they're like they're.
2: Stable? I I think I think he 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 says they basically build the heads i don't even know if they start by building the the tops of the barrels right that's the that's the circular part at the top and the bottom of the barrel and like so cut a circle of wood for there's staves
3: so the head is staves itself and we have one on the wall the staves are 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 basically laid out and then cut and beveled um but to make i mean that's got to fit in the barrel right so one length one has to speak to the other so whoever is doing the actual barrel the the head has to fit perfectly because right. there's no glue or anything, right? right. It's it's mm-hmm. it's metal and wood, and that's it. Yeah. And this guy's sixteen. Slap it. I can't put IKEA furniture together. I'm <laughs> thirty nine years old. Still.
1: <laughs> well, it's a good thing that Cooperage runs in the family.
3: <laughs> Let's jump back in. Yeah. Sure. Uh,
0: it was a five year apprenticeship.
1: Oh, five years. W- what did that look like? I mean, how did how did they break you in from year one?
0: Well, you went in as what you call a heading boy, which I don't know if you know the the head, what I call the end of a cast. It's called the head. You have two heads and a cast. Well, you went in there for most most of the first year. You became a heading boy, which was making the tops of the cast, the heads. So you done that for a year. Then you went on to your bench, which would you'd be assigned to a journeyman cooper. They teach you, so it's just one-on-one teaching. So you've done that for four years. So heading boy for the first year and then four years as apprentice.
1: Okay, so just <laughs> how I'm envisioning this, I have a couple of friends in uh, like film and TV production, right? So one of the things that they joke about is saying, if you're just breaking into that space as part of the crew, you're only allowed to handle cable for the first several jobs that you're on, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 well, one of the, the first stories I always tell, which is a true story, was when I first went on to, what like I say you become a head boy and you make, well, you're using tools to make the tops of the cast, but basically hammering them together. But when you go onto the bench proper, you get presented with a set of tools. So you hammer and driver and all different tools. So the first thing you do bring a cask in to repair, and I had the cask lying down and uh, I knocked three three hoops off, so the end will fall in and any liquid lying in the cask will come on the floor, so I got a slap in the back of the head for that because because that was stuff the cooper's could have had a drink out of, you know so. I get told if I ever bring a casket and open it upright, and tell the cougars the bars opened if there's anything in it. So I went, I went fast.
3: It's literally beaten into them
1: in the back of the head.
3: You messed up. I'm punching you right in the face.
2: Well, it's so it's so funny because I I've I've listened to this a time or two before we're sitting down here today and that's the first time i actually got the full scope of what that story actually was
3: (laughs) five-year apprenticeship you're still a kid i mean you're in your 20s right? you're starting at at 16 16. yeah five years later early 20s you're getting slapped in the back of the head because this has to be done right right well and 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 you're getting to know your tools you're getting i mean there's processes but
2: right and just the whole story of him getting literally slapped in the back of the head because he <laughs> accidentally spilled some whiskey when he was taking apart a, uh, a cask there. Like that's, that's so funny. And that's the first time I've actually caught that. Um, but wow, what, what a lot of fun. And that sounds like, I wonder if there's any ceremony to them being presented right. with their tools or if it's just like, yeah, you I go was, fucker. Like- <laughs> again,
1: the the number of visuals that I've like concocted from listening to this interview of the Shug versus what, probably happened it's like the illuminati special on netflix versus like this is what happened in your history books like, do you
3: picture his tools wrapped in like a leather le- sheep, yes you know what i mean ha- and the, some dude rolls them out on a table and he's By presented with a, yeah, with a right. hood it's a whole thing the yes. heavens
2: open and the angels sing as he's prevented presented with his even uh, down first to the ceremonial
1: smack if you don't do it right sugar
3: would be like we went to home depot that's what happened <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we were sent down you buy your own
2: well, the, he's so real we're like we're romanticizing this entire thing he's like no, and then you got your tools and you moved on after I, you got slapped in the back of the head. He'll appreciate it.
3: He'll appreciate it. I can't our wait until we system. get to the
1: part, spoiler alert, when he was like, yeah, I was a taxi driver before this. We're like, what?
3: How do you go from <laughs> to? All right, let's go. <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess I guess you didn't do that again after you got the blow on the head, right? <laughs> no,
0: no, 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 no I did not. But that was just the way it was, you know, they, they would drink, the, the people would drink all day and it was custom and practice for the cooper stop twice a day to get their official dram. Mm-hmm. You know how they would, at 11 o'clock, they would stop and get a dram. And then at 3 o'clock, they would get a dram. So health and safety wasn't a big thing then. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's it. So, yeah, like I say, I went on to, in first year, You done with your journeyman. I don't know if you know, back then, Cooper was like, PBR, paid by results, so the more mm-hmm. cash you done, the more you get paid. Okay. So the the journeyman would keep everything you made in first year, would go to your journeyman and then at the end of the week he would give you what's called a bung which was, he would give you money for, how, if he made them casks, he would give you some of it back you know, in cash. So that's how you, you learn to do piecework yourself, the, the faster you got, the more you gave him, the more you get back yourself. So. That was the incentive, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, at least, at least they paid and you then uh, instead of, you know, waiting until the whiskey was ready. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no. You, you also got your wages, but you got your, what's called a bung off your cooper, off your journeyman, you know. And when you went into second year, it was, uh, what was the split? It was 50-50 split. 50% to the journeyman, 50% to the company. Okay. And third year it was seventy percent of the company, thirty percent of the and Then in fourth year it was eighty-five percent to yourself and fifteen percent to the company because you were getting better at it and you're producing more. So then when you finished your fourth year, your, your time was out and you get rolled in the barrel. You get put in the big right a butt. which is a I don't know about a five hundred liter cast. You get put in that with mud and rubbish and basically tarred and feathered and rolled about the shop. That was your initiation. That your time was up.
2: Oh my God! Did he say tarred and
1: feathered?
3: He he said. So first off, you're getting a commission, but well,
2: it sounds a lot like a sales job. It is a sales <laughs> job, yeah. but the
3: but your boss has taken most of it. Right. And then to celebrate, they're rolling you, they're right. tar and feathering I you. I need
2: I I really need to know if. Like, if he was literally somehow tarred and feathered. Like, I, I, I know that, like, that can kill you. So, probably not exactly what they're doing. The Scotsmen are hardy. Let's I don't know. Keep, that's
3: right. Let's keep to our romanticism here and just believe that he was actually tarred. That's and feathered.
2: right. That, that makes him a little more BA in yeah. my mind. Yeah. Oh, he's a badass. <laughs> I, he, I don't know that he could get more badass, badass a in my mind. That's badass amazing.
3: With a bong. <laughs> so, so, he's paid per barrel. Right. Mm-hmm. They're paid a salary. They're paid per barrel. Um,
1: and the percentage goes up with every passing year of the apprenticeship.
3: As they grow and become better and better at it. So they're, they're incentivized is what it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you can't be the distiller with a bad barrel. Right. Or a leaky mm-hmm. barrel. Right. These, ha- these guys are pros if you're not gathering that.
2: How do you feel you're the br- you're the brand new guy? You're only doing the heads and you it takes you like three days to do one head. And then you're getting like whatever ten percent of of what that is. Oh, honestly,
3: <laughs> after I saw one guy get punched in the back of the head, and another guy get tarred, and the other guy get tarred and feathered, that's when I'd be out. <laughs> that's right. <yeah. laughs> you can like, keep this family yeah, business. In there. God <laughs> love him. We're celebrating this, so God love him.
1: How many how many casts were you turning out between you know your first year with the journeymen versus when you're when you're at the end of that stint and the last of the the four years working with them.
0: Oh, I would probably be maybe doing about when you just started getting into it, maybe six a day, five, six a day. Then it got up to you were pushing on 20 a day. Oh, wow.
1: It's because
0: you're getting much, used to it, yeah. It, like a, yeah. it was like a carrot and a donkey, you know. So the more you produced, the more you earned. That's, that's really the way piecework was, you know.
1: And what happens sure. when you're at the end of that stint with the journeyman, right? And I mean, do they just kind of set you on your own and, you know, unsupervised yeah, yeah. role?
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Become a cooper yourself, yeah. That's when when your time was out. Let's say you get the initiation, I rolled about in a cask, and then I was you a time served cooper? You got, uh, well, I tell a lie, you had to go through a, a trade test. But at the end of your fourth year, you had to pass a trade test where a manager from another cooperage and some other cooper from another cooperage would come in and test your work, see if you're accomplished at doing it. And then when you pass your trade test, you got your indenture papers. That was you. Time's up.
1: What do you think happens to the people that fail the trade test?
3: No, no, no. What do you think happens to the people that fail the rolled in a barrel test? <laughs>
2: <laughs> what happens to the people that fail the tar and feathering? That's Shame. That's what I want to know.
1: Shame.
3: <laughs> You're like, damn it, four years and he died. Damn it. <laughs> we killed him. We'll right, do it again. All right, next one up. <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, that's a good question. I assume by how it's vigorous. So I, I feel like they're you can't fail it. I mean, you're you're at that. They're so hard, well, I think like the I've,
1: LSATs. Like, you, maybe just retake it. I,
3: I, I it's your life, if you I, know. If
2: I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think he talks about what happens. I I, I think you you might be right. You can kind of retake it, but I don't know if there's like a, a period of time in between where like nope, you got to go back and do your basics for six months or whatever it is. But like, uh, the thing I latched to here is he said, you know, at the beginning they're doing. What whatever five six barrel heads a day and by the end of that they're doing like 20 i don't know how long their work day is out there but regardless that's impressive an eight hour day you're talking three ish an hour it would take you're, you're me turning out it would take me five a, days to a do month half of one it would take right? me a
3: month to find the staves <laughs> like i would be on the racks going how many what's what where i don't know where that you know what size are we? I I was lit- I was
2: literally. I was expecting him to say, "Oh yeah, when you start off, you're doing like one every other day." He's like, "Oh yeah, when you start off, you're doing 6 I'm like, six?
3: But think about that. I mean, you've been. We've all been to warehouses. There's hundreds and hundreds of barrels in those warehouses. Right. You have. You can't just have a guy pumping one a day out. How many barrels you get out today? One. One a day. There's more than one we're supposed to do. Well, yeah. No. No. You're
1: like, I- and then. <laughs>
3: After your one for breakfast, what did you do?
2: The job job ain't for me. I'm telling
3: you that.
1: I just, I love the fact that this is like an industry that hasn't been replaced by automation. Could it Knock on wood yet. I don't think you could. Like knock
3: on wood. No one. All right. (laughs) I'll I'll own it. I'll I'll clap for you. Could a machine, a machine could do anything, but there's a touch there. I mean, they're eyeballing these staves. The eye of the Cooper. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Teaser for later.
3: Maybe
2: the eye of the cooper Stop. is upon
1: Stop. you. Let's get back to Shug. So get your you get your papers, you get your certificate, you pass through, and then yeah, yeah, okay,
0: it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's got I think there's still up in my attic in the house somewhere. My denture papers, yeah, they're still there. But uh, yeah, you get tested, and once you pass your taste test, you could you could fail your taste test and get put back a couple of months, you know. I passed mine first time. And that was me good to earn as a cooper, so everything went to me. You know, this company didn't take anything off you, you just earned what you got. Yes. Yeah, so so
1: the way the way that you're describing it, it reminds me of certain things I've read about from, you know, uh, old schools of art and the apprenticeship that goes with that. And then just, you know, kind of the ceremony that you reach of of finally getting to that point where you're an established artisan of your own. So when you're thinking yeah, about like yeah, those, yeah. yeah. so so you've probably beaten me to the question, but would you consider this an art more than a, a science or where does that fall for you?
0: Yeah, We, we say, we we joke, we see Coopers aren't tradesmen, we're craftsmen, you know, but uh, yeah, it is a craft, you know. It's, I think it's like anything in life that you do for so long it becomes easier, you know, but...
3: I love that he sees what he does as an art. And we talk about all the time how whiskey, I mean, it is an art. It's an art form, you know, a job, it employs it, you know, it's somebody's financial, you know, income, but it's an art form. And mm. this guy sees it, what he does and it is, it's an art. Well,
2: and he's, he's acting, he, he's saying it like, like it's a joke, but, it really it it is one of those things that it takes a special touch. It's it takes a certain level of expertise, and it's like over there that oh we all do something with a level of expertise. Like it, it, it's there's nothing that's just really mundane with with. And I'm 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 sure there's like jobs in an office where you're filing papers and stuff. But like all of the physical labor that they kind of see as just manual labor, mm-hmm. it's all hard
1: stuff. It's all hard. The way that Shug talks about becoming a Cooper and the artisanship, the craftsmanship that goes into it, it reminds me of painting. And I've painted on and off throughout the years. And, you know, you reach a certain point where you're used to the set of brushes that you're working with, right? And palette knives. And to figure out what brush you want to use, you don't go in and you like measure the width of it or the, you know, the angle that it's cut at, the bristles are cut at. You're just like, this is the one right? And, and it's because of the familiarity of working with the tool. And even though he doesn't say it outright in the interview that we had with him, that same familiarity with the the tools and the resources he's working with just kind of sings out in how he describes it. And I love that. Yeah, it,
2: it's so second nature to him. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's kind of a little bit what you're getting at. It's, it's just, yeah, this is what I do to him. But like, to me, I'm, I could, it's not a thing that I could, he could, he could do it do. in the dark,
3: right? Yeah, yeah you know, exactly. You, you believe that he could in the middle of the dark, he could probably put one together and it'd be, and then he could tell you we would see a barrel and we would think, well, that thing's great. It's put together, and he could see it and say, "No, it's, it was done improperly. That's a bad barrel. Mm-hmm. It, I should do it again." And then have the wherewithal to to make a better one or whatever. I respect that. I get that from. And maybe he's joking. Maybe he's not. But you know, you don't you don't do what your dad did and your his dad before him unless there's a little bit of passion behind it. You yeah. know, the family tradition, as it
0: were. Uh, just the way as you know, I've done it for so long. It's it's easier for me to do. You know. So.
1: How many years have you been a cooper? Just,
0: Man and boy, forty one years.
1: Oh my goodness. That's and, and have you <laughs> trained a lot of other like have you have you acted as a journeyman? Have you had apprentices since then?
0: I've had a couple of apprentices, yeah, at different places. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you get to pick an apprentice? Like the good ones with a lot of promise, or are you just <laughs> stay away from the ones that don't <laughs> seem to glitch on?
0: Uh, well, it all depends what they want to put in it. I mean, yeah, but they, they pass their apprenticeship, they passed a trade test, so even wouldn't only become Coopers. So must have done something, right?
1: <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, 41 years, right? That's, the odds are going to be in your favor. You'll turn out at least a couple of good ones to follow you, right? When he was talking about this, all I could think of was like a fantasy football lineup of Coopers. Like, <laughs> the master distillers from each region. Like, I'll take Shug McMurray. And like, screw Sean Sheamus, Like, he's shite. Like, something. <laughs> Last kid on the block.
3: Like I, a roster? Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> I want to taste that whiskey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, now I'm thinking uh, picking teams for kickball in elementary school. <laughs> Maybe that's just a flashback. I'm having yeah, a When time.
3: I buy whiskey from now and I'm going to ask if it's made by Shug, i want to be like, is this a Shug McMurray bottle? Shug-Me-Mur- They're like, what? I, how would I even know? Well, you're How like, wouldn't you know?
1: You're like, you're check Glassdoor. Like- just kidding. The <laughs> family line. <laughs>
3: Here,
2: I'll the, make a phone call. Here's the link to my podcast. <laughs> hey, good fun
0: for that. 12 years. Mm-hmm. I, I, I went when I, the place where I saved my time was a company called Universal Containers, so it's no longer there now. And uh, I went to work for Diageo for 20 years.
1: Did you, I want to ask you if you had a favorite place to work for. I I am curious though, because you're with uh, Glasgow Distillery now, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. What, what happened was, what happened was, uh, I, I got uh, made redundant from Diageo. And uh, mm. I went, went for a change of career. I ended up becoming a, a taxi driver. A taxi driver? And uh, Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was working away at that then. Oh, how long ago? About 10 years ago, maybe more. A guy who used to be my managing director phoned me and asked what I was doing. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, I said, I'm still taxiing. And they asked me could to go down to Wales to do a job for him. Uh, uh, Pandaren
3: Distillery wow that's a lot of distilleries for him to be a part of
2: and I'm sure he hasn't even listed like half of them because it's whatever distillery he started at he's talking about he was hired by Diageo he said something like they headhunted him or something like he he got he basically got pulled into Diageo Pandaren which is one of our favorites delicious.
3: a younger distillery I mean that talent that he probably brought aboard there um, I mean 40 plus years in the industry so the man's been around and um and then, you know, cab driver.
2: Right, and then cab driver and then the <laughs> Glasgow distillery. You know right? what
3: I mean? <laughs> he imagine took a little him break.
1: As uh whatever the game show was with the taxi driver trivia. Oh,
2: um
3: Taxi Cab Cash Cash Cab Cash, cash Cab, cab. Not, cash cab. I said, cash Taxi cab. cab Confessions, but that's not <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? That's a different Slightly website. That's <laughs>
1: <laughs> but whiskey can bring it all together. Yeah, That's right. Right, yeah. It just, depends on what they're drinking. I just want him to ask the questions. No, that, I was really excited too when he mentioned Pendaren because when we tasted the kelp and when we were first getting into the wood episode is just an example of the importance of what a barrel's history can mean to the flavor of the whiskey you're mm-hmm. tasting. Mm-hmm. I, I just
3: a lot of cool story there. I mean, yeah. we've we're obviously we're 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 um a big fan of that distillery and and done a few shows and episodes where we've kind of. You know, applauded them, but it was just really neat to hear. Kind of, we weren't expecting that. So. No, no, and we don't do our research for our guests, not, not so. even
2: slightly. We just, we just come on and let them talk, and we learn things. Thank
3: God they know what they're doing.
1: We That's like right. surprises. Yeah, <laughs> and that was
0: cool. So I done that, then he actually go somewhere else to Spacey Distillery, and then ended up to go to Glasgow Distillery to do a job, and I used to just do it for myself, freelance. And then about two and a half years ago, Glasgow Distillery offered me a full-time position.
1: Is that is that common? I mean, into it. being a freelance cooper, so at that point you kind of just, you link up with whatever distilleries need need an expert craftsman like that. Is that more common than yeah. being linked yeah. with a distillery?
0: Uh, no, I don't think it's common. It's just that the way it happened, these places never had their own cooper. You know, they'd, they'd send their stuff away to get, to a cooper's to get repaired, and I could do it on site, you know, so... And um, I say I went to work for Glasgow and two and a half years ago. I, I do the what what's good about it is Glasgow's a small distillery and the won Scottish distillery of the year last Thursday. I hope you know.
1: Yeah, we <laughs> so saw that's that. A good
0: award.
1: That's awesome. Congratulations. Did you
0: see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a good good award. So what happens there is like say I don't just so we do coupon there now. I, I do all different aspects of the job, But if I'm filling a cask and the cask is leaking, I can fix a leak there and then. Or if I, if it's too bad, I need to empty the cask, I'll empty the cask and repair it, then fill it again, you know, so I can do it all on site. They don't need to send it away to a good preacher or anything like that. So that's a good thing for them.
3: So first and foremost, an award-winning, you know, distillery he went to. So it wasn't some small nothing. It was um, the Glasgow Distillery, which is an excellent, excellent distillery, putting out some great stuff. Um, but then what kind of caught me there was the the freedom he has on site to nurse these casts, to fix them, change them, work them in real time at the distillery, working probably what I assume with the distiller and the distillery team.
2: Well, it, 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 it sounds like from, from the way he's talking, it sounds, cause Glasgow, Glasgow distillery, it's not a huge distillery, right? And it sounds like a lot of the smaller distilleries are hiring freelancers like he was. Or you know, it's an off-site the, kind of thing. Or it's an off thing. Offsite yeah, thing. Right. They ship it out or whatever. And he's talking about how it's sort of a luxury for a lot of these small distilleries. I, I don't know if he's the only um, cooper on, on site there at Glasgow. That's what it sounds like. He's their sole cooper there. But he can just grab stuff, turn it around, and make it better right there. They don't have to ship it out.
3: I assume he has some type of labor team sure yeah, sure but he's maybe. definitely uh, running the show yeah yeah, yeah but it, it, very it, cool though
2: yeah it, it, it sounds like you know he's he's the guy he's you know he's call he's calling the shots he's making the decisions
1: the thing that that strikes me the most and it kind of goes in the autonomy of having like a smaller distillery that's hiring these freelancers i mean y- you got to imagine that if there are people that are moving all around the industry that are picking up different <sighs> pro tips and best practices and their own ideas from every place they go along their journey, that's got to be crafted into the whiskey they're making wherever they go. And I think that's fascinating what you see out of Glasgow. Well,
2: and to your point there, it's now, now, now Glasgow distillery has their own master Cooper, you know? So he's part of the process now. It's not, they're not hiring out and Mm -hmm. getting, you know, Cooper a this time, Cooper B this time and and all that. He's now part of that, that body of work that Glasgow distillery is now going to be putting out however many years from now, you know? Mm
3: Yeah, I mean the trust that they put into somebody like him anyway, that just shows his you know, quality. And if he is running it by himself, to your point, you know, bravo. Kudos for him. Let's see what else he has to say. Because it's a wealth of information. It um is. I am really enjoying hearing his accent. I mean it's isn't it fun? It's way different than, you know, you two. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah.
1: I'm curious, when you're working with each of these different distilleries or, you know, in the past when you've worked with the different ones, especially as a freelance, right, how much do they want your expertise and kind of let you run free range with, you know, the stave selection and and the the process of actually picking what makes the barrel versus how much do they work with you and say, you know, we're kind of looking for this flavor or this type of of, of wood. I mean, how much artistic well, license are you well, given?
0: Well, I would say that, with the, the Welsh company, Penderein and to was just really repairing cars that they wanted repaired. I, I never had any input on their car selection, or that, you know, but I would see, say to them, do you really want these cars? Or they're not very good or whatever, you know, but that was it was their choice on their car selection, what their spirit you felt in. But this Glasgow distillery, yeah, if I have a a part, big part to play in that you know in wood selection and they trust trust my input on saying whether they think this for example they had some cast when they just started they felt and uh, I, I was taking samples of them and I said I don't think this cast very good and the cast wasn't very good they were uh, they were old cast and there was nothing coming off the wood they were getting nothing out of them you know so things like that you know mm-hmm. I can so whether things are good bad and
1: Have you ever have you ever had to have like a difficult conversation with someone at the the distillery? I mean maybe somebody that walks in and has you know a really strong idea about how to do something and you have to sit them down and say, you know, <laughs> actually, here's <All> right. here, <laughs> I hear a laugh. I All feel right. like there's a story there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, well I'll, I'll trust me on where I'll say on what casts are good, bad, and indifferent. Mm-hmm. I like to say we'll sit sit down as a group, you know, and pick some finishing casts or whatever. A you lot know, stuff we want to put new make spirit into mm-hmm. for a good five years or whatever, because we've just got just short of a hundred casts in from France, here different wine casts, cognac casts, and that, you know, and just you we'll know, have a discussion, see what. We think we should put in them, and we'll finish cast. You know, we'll finish our spirit into them now, because we're, we're only like five years old. Mm. The distillery, so that does get some good mature spirit we can put into a different casts for finishing aspects. You know, just you know, we'll experiment with some stuff, see how that goes. You know, but I have an input on wood selection. Yeah,
1: I, I have so many questions for you on, especially the experimental stuff that you guys are doing. I but just to make sure I'm following along too. So you might know this, but Greg, the director from the Water of Life film, he actually introduced us to. I know her-
0: Greg, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so you can blame <laughs> him for this.
0: <laughs> right. So, I've been wanting me for a week.
1: <laughs> so, so I was gonna say, I know that we saw a video of you actually assembling a barrel, and before yeah, yeah. I ask you about, you know, all my questions about what it's like to experiment with things and what you guys are doing there. What is the actual day-to-day process of actually putting one of these barrels look like? I mean, to walk us through what we saw in that video, what is the regular day for you?
3: So, for everyone listening, there is a video out there, and maybe Aaron can put it on the. I don't know if you can move it forward. I don't know. I'll look for it. I believe in you. There's a video of Shug putting together a barrel. It's in. It's in. Um, it's it's sped up. Mm. What is it? Thirty seconds? Time lapse situation. Yeah. I'll see
2: if I'll see. I'll talk to Greg. See if I can get it. Yeah, it's pretty
3: cool. We'll we'll try to get it. If you're not a part of the Cast Chasers group on Facebook, well, you're wrong. So you know, but uh, get on your there. Your decisions. Yeah, but anyway, so check that out, and and we'll see if Aaron can get it up, and we'll we'll make that make sense to this date and time. Sure. But cool. No yeah. pressure, Aaron. Yeah. Aaron's got to go dig through archives. I've
2: already forgotten what we were talking about just now. I'll so. remind you. Perfect.
0: Well, for for like building a cast, like I done that video.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You
0: know, but well, obviously that's not from uh, new staves. That's just a cast that's been knocked down. For for example, we used to get them into when I worked from the they would knock knock the cast down in America, American bourbon cast, and they would put them onto pallets. Maybe forty casts on one pallet, but but just the staves lying down. So then they would ship the pallets over and we would build them back up over here. And uh, they would knock down 40-gallon barrels that we'd turn them into 54-gallon hogsheads, which is an name ask, you know. We'd do that on a daily basis. So you'd start your day, you'd be looking to do 20 or so them a day. It's hard work, but good day work, you know. But yeah, that's what we do. What you see in the film, we'd build them up and they would become like shell, what we call a shell. So there'd be no, no uh, ends in them. And then you'd put them into steam for maybe twenty minutes. And uh, once you steam them, you'd bring it out. The steam softened the wood for you, work the wood, and it also it sealed the joints as well. It made them swell, swell up. Then you'd bring them out and finish them off, put ends in them, dry them up, and you send them down to what's called the testing area. And they would test them for weeks. And that was a day's work doing that, you know.
1: So, and I, Do you guys use any, Um, I mean I guess the treatment of the staves, so when you're going through that process you just walked us through, do you have to do any kind of heating or rebending of the staves, or you just kind of take the ones that look like they're you know, in good shape look, and can be bound?
0: Doing, yeah, yeah, you have to look at the, the shapes of some of the staves. Some of them could be Maybe too twisted, so you wouldn't use them. You know, just just for your eye, you know, you've got a Cooper's eye. But you, you know, you're you always checking the wood and make sure it's fine. Then, like I say, the steam helps as well. You know, you can put them in steam with, with what you call metal, metal truss hoops. You, know, you can bring them back into shape. Yeah, but you're always looking at the wood and making sure it's okay, because... When you go to finish it, if the wood's all twisted, it's just the cast when it goes to the test is just going to be rejected and sent back to you. So that's that, why you need to make sure it's spot on.
1: That that sounds like what you just said. The cooper's eye that sounds like something that you only develop after years and years of working with the wood and kind of you know feeling it with your hands and and just understanding oh, yeah, how yeah, it yeah.
0: works. Yeah, yeah. Is, we we, we do a cooper. A cooper will not use measuring tapes or anything like that. You just sort of use your eye, you know, to see, look at the joints, to see if the joints look okay, stuff like that, you know, you can tell if a joint's twisted or whatever, just be, be looking at it it's just through years of experience, really.
1: Okay, back to our not-so-joking joke about how we struggle with putting IKEA furniture together. He just said that they don't even use measuring tape.
2: They use their eye. Yes. Yeah. And he's he's so humble about the whole thing, like, oh yeah, you, you just use no, your No, we Cooper's don't eye. no measuring tape.
3: No, no, that no. wasn't in the no. toolkit they gave me when I was sixteen. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> if it's not in the toolkit, better learn how to make it up. That's no.
3: nuts. That's a skill. There and back to the idea of the artistry of it. I mean, holy crap, if you can do something like I mean, look at a barrel next time. Again, these things for for the listeners that aren't you know, don't understand how a barrel works, there's no glue. You know, there's right. no wood, you know, there's no nails. It is put together by the, by the perfect, you know, the precision of the of the saves pressing against one another with the rings and then the head or the tip, the bottom and the top of the barrels put, creating more pressure, sealing that whole thing together. Mm-hmm. He's eyeballing that whole thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and uh, just listening to the, uh, last couple minutes of him there talking, he's sort of saying th- it's everything, you know, at the beginning, he's telling us, you know, at the beginning, you know, you're only you're only doing the heads, you know, you're, you're doing the heads and you get whatever, two to 15 of them a day, whatever he was saying. And then by the end, you know how to do everything mm-hmm. he's talking about, you know, from. Because, uh, you know, sc- scotch is in used barrels. You know, mm-hmm. we've talked about that. So you're getting bourbon barrels from America right. that are just knocked down, mm-hmm. shipped over, and you're just putting those back together. That's like an easy them, day. right? That, yeah, yeah. If, if, if there's a little twist, you steam it to get back together or whatever. But then he also knows everything else. He knows how to build the whole thing from scratch. He knows how to make the head. He knows how to form these staves in such a way that they're all going to fit together. And it's, it's just mind-boggling to me. Like putting, putting together a knocked down barrel, as he puts it, that'd be a two and a half day job to me. I'm sure, you know, and and he's like, oh yeah, we get those over. We do 40 of those a day You're like insane. You're sub apprentice
1: level, but that's okay. I think we all are. (laughs) (laughs) We're all
3: sending our resume. I'm I'm getting,
2: I'm, I'm getting exhausted listening to him talk about this. I'm, I'm like, oh, that sounds so
3: hard. He does it in seconds though literally a video that Aaron will be putting up once he finds it. <laughs> no he pressure. Will,
1: he will be putting no it. No pressure. So how long do you think it took for you to get your, your eye down Like after, throughout your apprenticeship and then into 41 years?
0: <laughs> well, I think, I think, I think it's like an eye develop, for fine you know, art, right? When you, yeah. Well, you, do, you develop it once you finish an apprenticeship, you know, it's just, well, if you're not too stupid and pouring whiskey on the floor, you end up with black eyes for your journeyman, but that's a different matter. But the, yeah, it's, once your apprenticeship's finished, uh, you develop an eye. You know, you can develop it. Just even looking at, if you're replacing a stave, you can look and see how broad the stave looks. And you go and get a replacement one for it. You know, just by looking, you get a sort of rough idea. You need to measure it. What you're so sure,
1: thankful, you, though. Yeah, I was gonna say what you're describing. It reminds me of um. So I've been to a couple of art festivals where there are you know painters and sculptors, and musical artists, and one of my favorite you know craft artisans to see are the people that can take driftwood that's just you know come ashore uh, and, yeah. and and make like crazy tabletops and sculptures of it just using the shape of the wood. I mean, that's <laughs> that's kind of what I'm imagining. Is going through your
0: mind as you look <laughs> at the stage. I, I don't think we're as good as that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's, uh, it's just. I think we years experience. You look at casts. You know what casts are good cast and bad cast. You can spot look The like of work with some of the, the distillers where I work. This now, you know, they, they'll say we'll follow this cast. We say no, oh, you can't follow that one. It's bad. And they'll say well, why. Why is it bad? And say, so Well look, that bit there, but to the untrained eye they can't see it. You know, it's like that. It's if you're trained to see it you you notice it right away, you know. Yeah. So we'll so, it's there, that it's bad.
1: Is there so so what was so what are the things to look out for if it's a bad cast? I mean well, I'm never gonna be looking at one, but I'm just
0: <laughs> you you can see you have got uh, like cracks in the staves. the staves mm. are maybe bust of cracked a wood split. You can notice it, but people don't realize that that's a bad just thing it's part of a cask, you know, that can leak. And then you get what's called, like, we call them seed holes, it's pinholes, holes, like maybe woodworm holes or stuff like that. So uh. they can leak, but you can just plug them up.
1: So I was totally expecting, like, oh, you know, the staves are cracked, or maybe the wood's just entered in. When he said, was it wood holes, I just... All I could think of was the, like like maggots in it or I just.
3: They're not cleaning them out either. That gives flavor. That's terroir.
1: Protein. <laughs>
3: so it's, it's the neat thing about when you watch them take an oak tree and they trim it down before they make the clean boards that you see at like Lowe's or Home Depot. They're rough boards. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what he's saying. That these things are sitting in a warehouse for a long time. They're, they're seeing. First off, they're just rough boards to begin with. But then they're seeing elements. And they're getting, the shit's getting kicked out of them, really. Oh, yeah. So his job is to take these things and to make them not as some of these. Some of these, honestly, if you've ever if you ever get the chance to do a distillery tour, some of these casks look like hell. I mean, they're they've been drilled in, they've been mm-hmm. they're just leaking, they're black sludges coming down the side of them. They're not always the prettiest things in the world, but mm-hmm. you know that's where the flavor comes from. And It's his job to make it not as ugly, I guess.
1: And in, in a way that we can still get the flavor without thinking about what went into it.
3: Worms. Worms Delicious. went into it, people.
1: Mm.
0: With pins, <laughs> you know? You just cut pins, put them in. It's just. It's See, it's funny when some of the. When you roll a cask, I don't know if you've seen a keeper rolling a cask, you will roll it on mm-hmm. the end, end up with one hand. You know, you just and it's not showing off or anything like because you're always rolling the car so you maybe carry a hammer driver on the other hand and it's just a natural thing for me to do, you know. And the boys in the world will say, how do you do that? I say, well, 41 years of experience. And I learned how to do it, you know. It's just, <laughs> you, you can ask, I don't know if you know Greg's friend, Fons.
1: Oh, yeah, we know him.
0: Yeah, well, he had a, uh, what do you call those things, that. Uh, you say what the case of skates he'd go up there and follow me a drone he a drone and he asked me <laughs> roll, roll, he asked me to roll a cask and I must have rolled it up and down about 20 times and he said keep going I said I'm getting bored for <laughs> I don't know what he'd done with the feet. I think I was a bit in that following the water of life he was saying, was some man and, uh, yeah, they, they, they followed me roll on the cast, you know. I say it's just a natural thing to do. I would not put it down on the the, the even a cast lying down, that's it lying on its pitch. So I won't roll it on that, I'll roll it on its end. It's just a natural thing to do, you know, and and that's what I'll say, I won't say a a stave's heavy, uh, or I won't say sorry, it's thicker thin. I'll say it's heavier light. I yeah, won't we'll see that Steve's thick or that Steve's thin I'll we'll say that Steve's heavy or that Steve's light, which we'll is thicker than it's just coupon terminology.
1: All right, so I gotta ask you, have you ever had a whiskey or a scotch or anything and you tasted it and you immediately were just like, This was a terrible
0: cask. <laughs> Ah, oh well, yeah, you can, you can <laughs> taste that, yeah. You, you, know, you know, there's nothing happened to it. You. you can see sometimes with the colour it as well, you know. Mm. It's mm. Looks like new make spirit after being in three years. It comes back out clear, you know. You know, there's nothing really happened there. But you can rejuvenate casks. You know that, yeah. You rejuvenate them, which uh, is scrape There's a machine takes the charcoal out of the cask.
1: I would never ask him to do this. But I wish he had named names.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Who has the worst barrels? (laughs) Let me name these distilleries. Right. (laughs) I think it's cool, though. Um, He talks about off colors. Mm -hmm. And in an industry where so many distilleries and, you know, manufacturers are trying to keep consistency. You know, we're drinking Highland Park right now. Love Highland Park. But they're about their color is consistency. Diageo as a whole is consistency. These barrels that aren't colored, these whiskeys that aren't colored, these offset in colors, I mean, the stiller's looking for that. The blender's looking for that. And that's a bad cask, possibly, that's giving an off color or not mm-hmm. giving enough. And I think it's just neat that he's he's seeing that before the whiskey goes into it. Mm-hmm. If I'm hearing that right, you know. Well, what and, I
2: mean? and one thing he, he when he said, you know, you know, sometimes you'll put uh, whiskey in a barrel and it'll be there three years, it'll come back come back out, it'll be almost clear. And like that isn't even a thing that occurred to me mm. that could happen, but like obviously it could. But like you said, that's a great indicator of nothing's happening. Nothing's mm-hmm. happening. That whiskey, you know, this barrel's all used up, basically. You know, yeah. so like that's a neat thing that I just hadn't thought about. Like Cooper,
3: that can look at a barrel and say, "This is going to give this whiskey life. This is a this is a life giving barrel. These are good staves. I mean that." And again eyeballing that Mm -hmm. bravo if we haven't built this guy on a pedestal by now i don't know what will so
1: (laughs) what's gonna happen when he listens to this episode he's gonna i didn't say half of that i didn't that's not what i meant look guys i put a barrel together
3: calm down calm down
1: so that's the rejuvenation bit that you might have to do do you do you ever um are you responsible for the actual the toasting or the charring of barrels too
0: no no I don't I don't do that where I am just now. I don't have that facility. I used to have it in uh when I worked with the agile they had rejuvenation facilities. Yeah, so what what you done was re- basically just strip the cast down to having no ends in them. So it's just a shell. Mm. And you'd send it over and the the machineman would put it in and take the the char off and then you'd toast it like sort of two char or four char which is Basically, burning it more for the before char. So some people call it crocodile char, right. crocodile skin. Oh like yeah, 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 like crocodile
1: or alligator char. Yeah, yeah, I remember that term. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just just burning it more that makes it the charcoal more, and it, you know, because you it can go from light toast, which is just a a light burn, medium toast, and then one char, two char, three char, four char, you know, sort of thing just how heavy you burn it. Yeah.
1: So what would your preference be for a flavour of whiskey, and then everything that goes into well, making think, it taste like that?
0: I think four char, between two and four, I think, is good. Yeah, that's good. Because you, I don't know if you ever know, if you get a, what's well, called a virgin cask. We get a lot of stuff from Kentucky, Kelvin Cootridge. And uh, if you get a virgin cask and you put new make spirit in it, into it for I don't know, even a few weeks, and you go and bring some out, you see it's starting to get a color. Hopefully the virgin wood, you know. It, it, gives it a good color, good sort of vanilla-y flavor as well.
1: Yeah, you know, one of um it's funny, one of the, the whiskeys that we were tasting today, it's a it's a Cooper's and it's a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. And for this oh, one the Cooper's Cas Yeah yeah, you're familiar?
0: Yeah, well, I've got something lying in the yard that come over uh, the last load we got over. I've, I've
1: I've never heard of it. Is it a distillery? Yeah, it's um, I I don't know how old the distillery is. We'll probably have to get back to you on that. But one of the things that we learned. So again, it's it's a Cooper's Craft. It's a Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. And apparently they do this thing with their with their casks where they add in extra notches to the wood. So it it's oh
0: yeah yeah I've seen that yeah yeah
1: yeah. Yeah. Have you tasted anything like that before?
0: I've not tasted it. No, no. To tell you the truth, I don't like whiskey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't like whiskey.
3: Did he just say, I don't like whiskey?
1: I, I think I heard that correctly.
3: That's fantastic.
1: Again, going back to my days as a 16 year old Regal Cinemas employee, I couldn't eat buttered popcorn for the next three years of my life. So, you know, maybe. Don't,
3: he's like, don't touch this. St- I don't touch the stuff. <laughs>
0: So, so so what's your drink of choice then? I like uh, the smell of whiskey, but I think a choice would probably be a Budweiser beer. But (laughs) I'm not a big (laughs) (laughs) drinker. right, John,
1: regular heavy Budweiser beer. I mean, that's that's a standalone beer. I wasn't expecting that either. I'm just, I love that. That was your answer. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, they said that when it was with Diageo, they, they asked the staff to fill in a, like a, a form to state their favourite drink. And obviously, they meant a Diageo brand <laughs> after Budweiser. It's <laughs> one of their so, uh, Yeah, I'm not a big drinker. I like you know, gin. I love the smell of whiskey. I can smell whiskey all day, but just oh, yeah. kind of quiet quiet taste. So. Yeah. Well, I think, I says to you, Bobby earlier, I had uh, a nice port and I put a wee drop of whiskey in it just here because it's cold here. So I yeah. can do something like that, but I wouldn't drink whiskey. I wouldn't say oh I like this or that. You know? I like I like a sherry finish glass. That's my sort of favourite. I would say that's a sherry finish.
1: That's funny. So, so in the last episode that we recorded, we were actually talking about the Glenmorangie, and we looked at the La Santa, and we looked at the the Quinta Ruban to you know look at the whole sherry versus the port finish. And I, I normally, you know, I like the big bold flavors. I love the Quinta Ruban, but that little bit of fragrance that came with the sherry finish, I was, I was pretty. I was surprised by that. I, I didn't think I'd like that.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. It does a, a, a nice... Same as the port. The port finishes a nice finish as well. I think We, we are trying. We, we just got some uh, Tokai cast in. This is hum, Hungarian sweet wine. Oh, nice. We're going oh, to nice. try funny, finishing that. And we've got some tequila cast. Mm-hmm. We're going to try that as well. To see how that finishes, you know. so that... Experimenting with different wood.
1: Yeah. So I was gonna say that that leads me back to all my questions about experimenting because, you know, again, I was I was looking up the Glasgow distillery and some of the things that you guys are founded on and are about, and I just kept seeing, you know, innovation and experiment and you know, the fact that two of the copper pot stills are named after uh what is it, Francis and, and Margaret McDonald, right? The the founders or yeah, co founders. Yeah,
0: yeah, not no, Francis and Margaret. That's uh, the stalls are named after the people for the art movement in about where with We do call Charles, Rennie Macintosh? yeah. That's Francis and Margaret, Tara and Tara, and what's the other? When that that these stills are named after two of the founders. daughters.
1: That's I I love that. I mean I I think that's such a cool thing. Just you know the naming, right? I name my cars so. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate that, but I mean, just the fact that so many things about what you guys do seem to be about innovation. I mean, what are some of the fun things that you're having fun playing around with and experimenting
0: with? Yeah, well, we experimented it. some of the distillers. Experimented. It. Well, we're going to put. We've got some nice rum in from Madeira. Just you make rum. and uh, we do a. It's called Banditti, the rum we make from it. You know, it's a spice rum. But we're going to try putting some rum into a uh, Tokai cask just to experiment that. We just experiment with things. The boys at the distillers, they come up with ideas as well. You know, we, We've done a citrus vodka and a coffee-flavoured vodka, OG G52. So we've actually made them, so it's going okay. You know, just that's one thing about the, the bosses, they they give you free license to experiment, you know, and it's good
1: that way. That's that's awesome. That was gonna be one of my other questions. You know, if you got to put your hands in in making the casts not just for the single malt, but you know, the the, the gin and um
0: Yeah, we've got gin do, yeah.
1: and the vodka too. Gin and
0: rum. Yeah, we do that. With the gin we both have uh, oak and mulberry.
1: Oak and it's mulberry. Just, it's quite nice.
0: Yeah, we have one that's matured in oak and one that's matured in mulberry. Wood, you know, so just like we fifty liter cast. So yeah, I like the oak. I think the oak is quite nice.
1: Shug, thank you so much for for spending your time. And I know I kind of you know dominated it from the Anything. guys end, but <laughs> 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 this has been so wonderful. I really appreciate you you know chiming in with us so so late in the evening and sharing your evening with us. Just to let you know, you are our first special guest interview of season two of the Cask Chasers podcast. So, you know, put this certificate uh, we're going to send you-, you up next to your papers for being a Cooper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it up there. Don't worry.
1: Thanks everybody for joining along, coming back to see us. Check us out at podcast at castchasers.org If you like the episode, want to shoot us ideas, thoughts, etc. Also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Cask Chasers or just regular online at castchasers.org. Thanks so much for being with us, and until next time, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram, it's all in the chase.